0: Welcome back Sleeper Nation. The regular season is over, the playoffs are here and the reason you're hearing my voice instead of my illustrious co-host Natas is because he went off to buy cigarettes after the games on the weekend and has not returned. If anyone sees him, particularly in the San Francisco or the Bay Area, please let us know. Obviously that's hard. This is not a visual medium, um, but he is a handsome man of Middle Eastern appearance. Please just go up to him and, and say hello. I think he'd really appreciate that. Give him a hug. Uh, even in these COVID times, and tell him that we miss him here at the podcast. Uh, It's just not the same without him. But as always, when one of us is indisposed, we have super producer, host of Dynasty Wire, an all-around excellent person, Nick James on the show, filling in. How you doing, man?
1: Doing awesome, Sheehan. Yeah, if uh, you see Natter out there, you might ask him, Dad? Because uh, apparently he sounds like he's gone to the same place many a father has ventured and not returned.
0: I think so. Um, and as I s- just go up to him, even if you see someone and think, oh, that look—that person looks like they could be called Natter, <laughs> go up a- and say hello to them as well. Uh, because I'm sure, like our, our beloved co-host here, they would just enjoy physical human contact. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Natter and his um, physical human contact predilections. We don't have any justifiable overreactions for you. We did have an awesome episode lined up for you, which will be coming next week. I'm not going to spoil it for you, uh, but be sure to tune in. But we are going to have a bit of a chat about uh, the dynasty offseason as we sort of drift from redraft season into dynasty season, and that's a subject Nick knows all about. And we are also going to tell you who is going to be winning the Super Bowl with our highly scientific NFL 21-22 season playoff bracket.
1: Nope, the, the most exciting part of the year if you're in Dynasty, which sounds weird. It's like, wouldn't the games being played be the most exciting part? It's like, no, it's all the off-season speculation and, uh, you know, finally having a full season worth of content to reflect on and, you know, use to try to make better decisions in the future. But uh, yeah, super excited for the off-season for sure.
0: I 100% agree. Um, I'm, I'm a big Dynasty guy more so than Redraft. I love this. I can't wait to um, dive into some rookie tape myself. Um, we'll get to a bit of a discussion on that in a bit. But um, I'm really having to use all my self-discipline, of which I don't have much, to put that off to the end of the month to get some other side projects sorted uh, so I can really start to uh, to grind that tape and and find some more players like last year uh, with Elijah Moore and Amon Rase Brown that I, I really loved. So um, I'm excited to get into that. And um, we'll, we'll talk of that. A little bit later in the show, but before we get into the excitement of this week's episode, don't forget head over to Twitter, follow us at Sleeperwire Show. If you want to join us at Patreon, it's Patreon.com/sleeperwire. We are a 100% charity podcast. That means uh, Nick and I are always dead ass tired for the love of the game, not because we get paid to do it. We absolutely should be. Nick certainly should be. But this is all about raising money for charity. If you want to help us do that, then head over to Patreon, chuck in a few bucks, or just. Like, subscribe on your favourite podcast apps, you can do that in Spotify now, um, and just share our content where you can to get our message out there further. So let's dive into this bracket now, and um, we'll work out who is going to win the Super Bowl. Fairly simple concept here, we'll talk about the game and talk about who's going to win and we'll we'll progress it. You and I have done bracket episodes before. Um, and I think if memory serves, we came out with Rashad Penny as the person to pick up your waiver wire run to the playoffs and i would have to say we were incredibly vindicated by that uh that bracket process now let's start with the nfc shall we we've got the first game of the week or the first game of the nfc is cowboys uh the 49ers at cowboys it's a classic 90s rivalry um the era i mean that was for the the early 90s they were the super bowl uh before the Super Bowl, really. And often those games were bigger than whoever was going to beat the Bills in the playoffs. So um, this this really is a throwback. Who do you like in this one?
1: The Cowboys' defense is is good, and as is the 49ers. It sure seems like they, they want to roll out Jimmy G if uh, the possibility is there. Um, I think that you know gives them a chance. I know uh, the Cowboys are at home, but... With that being said, I'll start off with an upset. I think maybe the, the 49ers are able to push past the Cowboys there.
0: I think the 49ers too. This could go either one of two ways. The 49ers are either exhausted from their win over the Rams last week, uh, their awesome win over the Rams, or they come out firing high on their own supply, as it were, and really make it difficult for the Cowboys. I think they could upset the Cowboys here as well. If they can get the ball out quickly, the Kind of negates the Cowboys big play defense. Um, Obviously, the Cowboys can kind of keep up with anyone as well. San Francisco being a little bit shonky, uh, I would expect this to be pretty high scoring. I'm expecting maybe four touchdowns at least per team. I'm going to agree with you and say the 49ers advance though. Next up is the Cardinals and the Rams. It's an NFC West battle here. I think it's the Rams, the wheels are kind of fallen off the Cardinals or the wings have fallen off the Cardinals as it were. Uh, and I think the Rams smarting from last week, they look the goods to me and have all season.
1: Yep. I'm probably going to have to agree with you there with uh, potentially maybe Cam Akers, as soon as Cam Akers went down in the off-season, that was my number one tote as far as a buy in Dynasty. If you're you know, already looking forward to the next year, know this isn't your year that Cam Akers could be bought. A lot of people really scared of the Achilles, but uh, as said on the Dynasty wire there, a lot of that I felt was based on dated medical information and you know we as fancy players you know not many of us are doctors no. no and there's been you know athletes in multiple other sports that have bounced back from achilles injuries and been fine afterwards and you know you see little various little hype videos on twitter that cam makers looks good in practice and then finally gets a little, a little bit of limited work last week i'm just hoping for all my Cam Acres shares that he just blows up here in the playoffs and vaults himself right back into the first round of dynasty startups.
0: I'm not sure that, um, he's going to dazzle us with the, um, some of the production we might've expected this year, but it'll be a good story if he can get back into play well, uh, and to play a meaningful role for the Rams. And I, I really hope you see that. Um, I always enjoy when a player defies medical, um, I guess medical advice, well, probably not defies medical advice, but perhaps defies medical knowledge mm-hmm. to get back quicker and, and play in a way they uh, they couldn't before. So best of luck to Cam makers, as far as I'm concerned. Bada bang. And that leaves the Buccaneers at the, Eagle, uh, the Eagles at Buccaneers. This should be a pretty easy win for Tom and his mates, you'd think?
1: If you think the NFL is scripted, then they're definitely not going to have the Buccaneers losing in the first round to the lowly Eagles, so... <laughs> Uh, I think for Tom Brady and his legacy, he most certainly will advance if the, the league has anything to say about it.
0: The Eagles are a very good rushing team. And although that's kind of a strength of the Bucs, you have been able to run on the Bucks the last month of the season. I don't see a world where the Eagles control the ball enough to win, but I could see them shortening the game and maybe they don't get blown out. You know, don't forget that the, uh, the Bucs are fairly decimated on offense. They really have Brady and Evans and, and Gronk and not a lot else. Fair play. They are two first ballot Hall of Famers and a very, very good wide receiver will probably end up there himself, but they are not the all-conquering dynamic Bucks that we have seen this season. But for me, it's still the Buccaneers.
1: Yep. No Godwin, no AB, not as good in the pits where it used to be a palace for the Bucks. <laughs>
0: yep. The Buccaneers, they're not just on the side of your Buccan head, they're in the second <laughs> round of the playoff. <laughs> we cross to the AFC... And we start. Let's start with Steelers at Chiefs. This is the game we didn't think we'd see. The corpse of Big Ben is just going to get put to the sword by the Chiefs here. This is the fairy tale. I don't think anyone wants. Um, is is more Ben Roethlisberger? He's not playing entertaining football. He's an odious human being. Uh, and I think the Chiefs are going to wipe their bottom with the Steelers
1: though the Steelers name might imply that they would steal the W. I think this is uh, likely Big Ben's retirement party.
0: I think so as well. Now the Raiders visit the Bengals. The Bengals are the hottest team in the league at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. The Raiders gutsy. This is the fairy tale I think people would want to see making a deep playoff run. I don't see them overcoming the firepower that the Bengals have on offense.
1: Yeah, the uh, Dynasty poster child has become Jamar Chase as he's vaulted himself into what would be like a first round startup likely all off-season, going for outrageous trades. And as far as in Dynasty formats, but the Raiders didn't want to tie because they didn't want to face the Chiefs. They were able to pull out that victory. I was watching that game thinking about you guys' prognostications from last week. Thinking, oh my <laughs> goodness, they're finally going to be right about it. There's going to be a tie. Especially when like they kicked a field goal. I was like, man, they get the ball back. Like They could just kneel right here at the end of overtime and call it a game. But yeah, I guess they were thinking about it, but then realized they'd have to play the Chiefs. And they're like, oh, no, never mind. We want to win.
0: Yeah, the Chargers just couldn't get a stop, could they? A a sad indictment, I think, of what should be a pretty good team. And we're kind of seeing the hallmarks of Chargers teams of years past, where they've got all these offensive weapons but just can't put it together to play good football consistently on a Sunday and sustain success to their franchise. So, um, sucked in.
1: Yes, sucked in.
0: (laughs) And the last... AFC game we've got here. It's not chronologically the last. Uh, This is a Saturday nighter. This is Patriots at Bills. They are 1-1 on the season. The Patriots won in Orchard Park in shambolic conditions. The Bills then won in Foxborough in a game that I felt that the Patriots didn't play particularly well, but neither did the Bills. And I think the Patriots sort of played a fairly vanilla defense, fairly vanilla offense to not show their hand in case they met again in the playoffs. This game's in Orchard Park. There is snow predicted, which I think works in the Patriots' favour. I'm obviously going to say the Patriots win this one. How do you feel about it?
1: I know you probably want to lean the Patriots, being that they are uh, your favourite there. Uh, This one's for Florio. I'm going to go with the Bills.
0: (laughs) Yes, um, I'm nervous about this game. I think the Bills fans are a bit mouthier than they possibly should be for a team that's not won anything ever. If I were a Bills fan, I'd just be happy to be there. Happy to represent and maybe just cool the egos a bit, I, th- I think it's the Patriots, but I'm going to defer to to our guest here and say the Bill's advance. Uh, that is the more likely result, I suppose, but um, you heard it here first if that's not how it transpires Now we'll work our way back across. We have the Bengals at Titans, and I think this could be a very, very good game.
1: Good game, but I would absolutely love to see the Bengals advance here, and I, I understand the Titans did lock up that number one seed. going to be tough. A uh, tough matchup for sure.
0: The Titans are as unconvincing as a number one seed could be.
1: It's kind of surprising. It's uh, If you're ranking the teams as far as power rankings, I don't think anybody would have the Titans as the top two in the playoffs. But here they are.
0: They are indeed. For me, it's the Bengals again, the unstoppable juggernaut at this part of the season. We should see Derrick Henry back, but what he's going to look like with plenty of rust on the chassis this time of year, coming off the injury, if the Bengals can slow him down, Uh, I don't think the Titans have enough to get past them, particularly if the the Bengals really take to the skies, which leaves us the Bengals advancing, and we have the matchup I think everyone wants for the AFC Championship, or probably everyone's AFC Championship preseason, Bills at Chiefs.
1: (sighs) Yeah, I would like to see the the Chiefs pull it together in advance here. Uh, It did seem like Kelsey got dinged up last game. Do you know anything about that?
0: It's on my radar that both Kelsey and Hill have been limited. They're kind of the walking wounded at the moment. I think if the Chiefs had got that number one seed, the week off would have done them a world of good. I don't expect the Steelers game to be particularly difficult. But in saying that, the Steelers' defense plays hard. It might be an easy win, but there's going to be some sore bodies after that. So well that leaves me to say, I think the Bills get up here over the Chiefs. Um, if it's flipped... Well, it wouldn't be flipped if uh, if the Patriots won. They would be playing the Titans. The Bengals would be playing the Chiefs. I think the Bengals have the Chiefs measure, uh, as we saw the other week. Although that was on the strength of a, a wicked Jamar Chase performance, um, I still like the Bengals here. So who are we advancing from this game, though? Is it the Bills or the Chiefs?
1: Uh, we can split this tie with the Bills.
0: Let's go to the Bills, then. And in the NFC, we have Jimmy G going to Lambeau uh, to play the Packers. I think um, this is the Packers probably cruise here and get this.
1: Yep. This is the last dance for the Packers. So I I think they're going to be tough to beat any of these games here.
0: I am not convinced. I think Rogers and Adams return next year to Green Bay, particularly if they come close and don't win at all. I think we see them come back again. So I've got the Packers advancing here too. I just don't know that the Niners have enough to, uh, to back it up two weeks in a row over the packers and that leaves us with rams at bucks again for me it's the rams here running all over possibly literally possibly metaphorically the um the walking wounded bucks
1: yeah hard to argue with it man if the bucks happen to win the super bowl you think brady retires he's still got at least a year left right
0: uh, i think he would come back and do it again although i guess the only thing he would have to prove is winning it three years in a row mm-hmm So I think we see him again next year either way. And he's always said, play till he sucks. He's still playing very, very good football. As long as they keep those pieces around him, I can't see why he wouldn't keep playing there.
1: Yep. And often the playoffs is who's healthy at the end of the season and that the Bucs are not. So I'm with you there with the Rams.
0: I could see Arians walking away after this season, I think between his advancing age, having picked up a ring, uh, the Antonio Brown situation, and particularly if a team wants to poach Byron Leftwich, he might say that it's time for him to go and, and Leftwich could take the team over, or Todd Bowles for that matter. I, I think this could be Arian's last ride, but I, I don't think it's Brady's.
1: Yep, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it might be just easier to, to walk away with all the uh, drama the AB situation has brought them.
0: And if you think, if you cast your mind back to the first season of. Um hard knocks with the cardinals uh arian's talking on there has always stuck out to me saying that if you miss a family event for football then you're fired i think he knows the clock is ticking i don't think he wants to be one of those people who dies at his post or you know gets out of the game and and doesn't have time to spend with his family you are a long time retired but i think uh i think this time it might stick for uh, juicy brucey there you go now we have uh the rams visiting the packers in the NFC Championship, this would be an absolute corker of a game.
1: Would definitely be exciting. Yeah, would be it the last dance or not. I'm still sticking with that uh, the Packers find a way here, though uh, if anybody has uh, a chance of slowing down Adams and being able to put enough points on the board themselves, I think the Rams definitely have a chance, but I think the Packers can squeak this one out.
0: I think it's uh, I think it's the Rams for me, particularly as the weather gets colder. They're the better running team. Although AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones have been excellent, nice one-two punch. Jalen Ramsey shuts down Adams. Jair Alexander has, does his best with Cup, but I think. This is all going to hinge on how well Stafford plays, really. Uh, and if he plays to his ability, then the Rams win easy. If he plays like Matthew Stafford, then I think the Packers can do enough. I could see this going to overtime. But for the narrative, I'm going to say my my head says the Rams, but my heart says uh, or the the narrative says the Packers for me. Go Pack, go! Exactly. On the other side of the draw, we have Bengals at Bills. I want to say the Bengals win this.
1: Yep, I I would love to see the Bengals make this run in the in the playoffs. It's been quite a while.
0: Yeah, it's it's been even longer than um, you know. Yeah, it's been being a, a timely reference for since they've been good. Uh, I think you think well all the way back to when Chris Collinsworth was playing to when the Bengals actually got this far. I would love to see them see them advance. Obviously, the Bills plenty of heartache there as well. Uh, but for me, as we've said basically this whole thing, the Bengals are hot. They've got the best receiver trio in the playoffs and a uh, a QB who's really hitting his straps. I I don't think anyone can keep up with Chase, even Tredavious White. So um, it's it's the Bengals for me.
1: I think the Bills not only break tables, but break hearts.
0: (laughs) This gives us a Packers-Bengals Super Bowl. Love it. I don't think the Bengals could do enough to stop Rodgers, but I'm not sure Green Bay could do enough to stop the Bengals. But I think big game experience has to count for something. Elite play has to count for something. I think the Packers win it if it's Bengals-Backers.
1: If this is what it ends up being, it's going to be a super exciting Super Bowl because I'd imagine there'd be a good amount of points scored there. But I would would love for Rodgers to bring back the title celebration.
0: I think so as well. I'm going to save this and we can uh, we can come back to that and see how we did. Uh, as with all playoff brackets, if you get even the first one wrong, you're stuffed. Good luck to all those people out there anyway. Yep.
1: Either we're right or sucked in. Sucked in, exactly. And some
0: actual fantasy football advice here is if you are playing the fantasy playoff challenge where you get points, depending on how long players have been in your teams, the Adams-Rodgers stack is a must-have for me for those double points that first week of the playoffs. Oh, that second week of the playoffs.
1: Yep, I would uh, focus on uh, trying to stack up on a couple of teams you think are going to make the run and just make your call and not hedge.
0: Yep, for Sure. Now, that's the end of the boring stuff. As far as the playoffs, the actual football, let's talk about dynasty football. So, what are you doing this time of year to set yourself up for the next season?
1: This time of year, I'm looking at each position group and kind of trying to say, okay, what's solid and what is fluid? So, like, if we're looking at, like, the quarterbacks, I'm identifying the ones with risk of replacement or risk of being moved and trying to take advantage of perception where possibly players have been boosted by their fantasy playoff performance or maybe players are discounted due to their fantasy playoff performance. Like Dalvin Cook, for example, puts up 13 yards in your championship game. There's going to be people that are very angry at Dalvin Cook. Like I'm reading responses to various things on Twitter. It's like, how can you... Trust this guy when he wasn't there when you needed him most, and that kind of logic just doesn't make sense. Yeah, because this player, when they perform or when they're hurt or when they're on the COVID list, has nothing to do with their value. But in some people's eyes, it will affect their value. Like you know what, I'm you, Dalvin Cook. You're dead to me. You know, <laughs> you let me down. You're dead to me. So uh potentially maybe buying low on studs who underperformed at the end of the season, who still have a positive outlook. Maybe Dalvin Cook isn't the best example, considering he's uh, 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 up there in age as far as uh, running backs are concerned, but taking advantage of situations like that
0: yeah i mean it's a bit of the uh the jesus and the footprints in the sand story isn't it where you're like where where were you when i needed you most <laughs> in this case delvin cook was not the, the m knight shammel on twist if you're not uh familiar with the story is that there when there's only one set of footprints that uh, it was jesus doing the heavy lifting uh you weren't on your own at all
1: it was then i carried you
0: yeah exactly that is not the case with Dalvin cook uh sadly but you're right they're the they're the players to target it joe mixon didn't have a great fantasy playoffs despite a very good season. Mm-hmm. Sneaky young as well. He's only twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be twenty six next season. But he would be a, potentially a player to target as a as an old man discount. As far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some names at you. Uh, these are all questions I've been asked in the the last day by the same gentleman. In fact, uh, what I think of these players. Deontay Johnson asking whether he is a hold or a sell. As far as I'm concerned, he's at peak value at the moment. That situation in Pittsburgh is almost as fluid as any in the league. Uh, How do you feel about his prospects with a different signal caller next season?
1: Well, he has been somewhat elevated by a massive amount of targets from check down Charlie Roethlisberger himself. Um, I think if you ask people where they have him ranked, most people are going to have him. just inside their top 12. So there's not a whole lot of room to go up from there as far as value is concerned. So even getting out as a break even is likely a safe investment because it's not like you're going to have sold too low because you're getting out at a wide receiver one value. There is some inherent risk that they end up with a rookie QB and it's you know, struggle bus all next season and the wide receivers struggle because of it. But with that still being said, even though it hasn't been Juju here for the second half of the season, he turned down money from like the Chiefs to come back to Pitt. I'm curious if he goes somewhere else that leaves, you know, the Muth (laughs) and Deontay Johnson and Claypool as, you know, three top targets. So if it's consolidated around them, they don't bring in uh, someone who takes away that. If they target a veteran and try to make a push rather than go full rebuild, Deontay Johnson could be worth every penny he's worth right now. But if you're cashing out as a, at a wide receiver one value, I'm not opposed.
0: Well, I suppose this is the classic question of, is he going to be more valuable than what you replace him with? Cashing out a, a wide receiver one value means essentially you're downgrading that position, um, at least in my mm-hmm. mind. My personal feelings aside, and I'm terrible at this, I'm open of looking at where free agents will land and, and good fits for the situation. But for me, the Steelers jump out as a prime position for Jimmy Garoppolo. And he would suit that offense. He would suit Deontay Johnson. And he is a capable enough quarterback to feed... I don't think Juju comes back, but certainly Johnson, Claypool, the Muth, and uh, Najee Harris, who has also been a target sponge this year. Um, they're obviously not going to be throwing as much. They're not going to be throwing 50 times a game with Jimmy G. But I don't know. He's, for me, I really struggled to value him as a player. As you say, if you, you're going to cash out, him, and now is the time to do it. Um, I'm just not convinced that you're going to benefit from doing that.
1: I think a lot of what his value is currently is propped up on volume. And yeah. it's not that Deontay Johnson is one of the best wide receivers in the league. It's that he's gotten one of the best total number of targets in the league. So if things change, like you said there, they get Jimmy G and become more run oriented, you know, potentially he could fall down into more of the wide receiver two category. So I, I don't have a problem with that.
0: I wonder if he's the sort of player who would remain productive, but more efficient if he could do more down the field. Uh, But you're right. His value is predicated on volume. So is Najee Harris, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it's Jimmy G. Maybe it's gunfight at the OK Corral who comes in. Maybe it's gunfight at the shit Corral who comes in. Maybe it's gunfight at the above average rookie Corral who comes in.
1: Or maybe it's Matt Corral.
0: (laughs) Exactly. For me... I've really, I'm really struggling to value those Steelers players. I feel like Claypool's a buy, but there's so much uncertainty around that situation. Um, he, what did he score, eight or nine touchdowns as a rookie? He only scored two this year, and just has looked a shadow of his former self. But maybe he's not had the opportunity that he needs down the field where he can make those big plays.
1: Yeah, like where you pointed out with like Kadarius Tony, where there's a little bit of that knucklehead factor to consider. Chase Claypool did flash some of his knucklehead factor this season, which gives you a little bit of worry, but he's currently 23 and a half. He hasn't even reached what is the beginning of peak. Uh, And for that matter, Deontay Johnson just turned 25. So both these guys are likely going to be good and continue to be good. Uh, Chase Claypool is a little bit more of the just extreme size speed specimen where you know if all else fails he's one of the better athletes on the field so uh, i like chase claypool largely because you know you can buy him as a high-end wide receiver three and he could easily break into that uh, higher tier of wide receivers
0: if you can get him for a second now that's good business i think even come Draft season, then I think you could probably get him for a late second. Uh, there is going to be someone frustrated with him who is trying to sell high. Yep, I'm not. Um, I'm not quite sticking the uh, swab down the throat to get twenty three and me on my roster. But um, you're right. It, it is knucklehead behavior that we've seen from him that certainly gives me pause. But also, his talent is undeniable.
1: It's definitely one of the self-identified flaws in my game is that. I don't care about off the field. I'm looking at, you know, uh, what you've uh, done and then what kind of an athlete you are and then situation. And then, you know, maybe down the line, taking into account what kind of a person you are, which, you know, leads me to draft Tamar and Terry. (laughs) But, you know. That was as much my
0: fault as his fault.
1: (laughs) Because you touted him. It was his fault or your fault. Is that why?
0: Yeah, well, I was so effusive in my praise for Tamari and Terry. I thought he had what he did for a man his size. They shouldn't be able to move that way. I just didn't know that he'd murdered someone.
1: Yep, yep. That's, uh, you know, it's it's hard to know that. That uh, was one of the <laughs> first shows I got to produce for Sleeper Wire was you, your short on Tamari and Terry. And it's like, man, this guy sounds good. And this guy talking about him sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. So, you know, I'm all in on Tamari <laughs> and Terry. <laughs>
0: I fooled you. (laughs) Got me. (laughs) If we're talking knucklehead behavior, because I'm sort of, I'm not agnostic towards the off-field behavior. I think there's stuff that you just don't want to be associated with as far as I'm concerned and and stuff that I'm kind of happy to pretend that, as we all are when it comes to fantasy football, there's a different sort of knucklehead. There's like off-field knucklehead behavior and then there's knucklehead behavior that interferes with your ability to play football. So, someone like Chad Johnson, 100% off-field knucklehead. And then you have Kadarius Tony who is showing up to practice without his boots. Mm-hmm. And Antonio Brown injuring himself in stupid ways. And Chase Claypool having no game awareness. That, to me, is bad knucklehead. And AB is the outlier here, because he is just an exceptional talent who has a manic work ethic, which translates across his entire personality, sadly. But for me, Claypool's lack of game awareness, that knuckleheadery is more of a concern than someone who's just like a bit of a dick off the field. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I understand when people make personal stands like, you know, I don't like something this person has done off the field. So therefore, I am unwilling to put this player on my team. And me, it's, I'm not like choosing this person to be my roommate. You know, he's literally, I only care about what you put up in a box score for my fantasy team. So that has led me to, you know, stashes of like Darius Geis and still willing to take like Hunt and, you know, late flyers on like Roethlisberger where they might have like character issues, but I don't know. I've always separated the kind of person they are from what they put up on a statistical basis and use that as a way to get values.
0: Yeah, I mean it's to each their own with this sort of thing and there's certainly, it's the risk factor for me and I guess you're prepared to wear that with some players. Um, I've been prepared to wear that with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I certainly don't endorse his behaviour and think he's a a massive piece of shit for some of the things he's done but maybe it's the risk factor of Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. um, that makes it somewhat more egregious. Also, we live in a slightly different society than we did when I was um, kind of all in on Tyreek Hill and I'm... Still happy to have him on my teams now as a result. Anyway, probably need to assess my own values (laughs) um, rather than other players at this point.
1: Yeah, your preferences of players is not a demonstration of your personal values as far as how I approach it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like the classic, you know, tweets are are my opinions only sort of attitude. But, um, you know, to each their own and how they, they run their fantasy team. And that's, you know, that's all I guess we can say on the matter. We've talked about the Steelers and their clouded situation. And for me, the only more clouded situation currently in the NFL is the Denver Broncos. They're without a coach. When you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterback, Bill Parcells. They will have a new owner sooner rather than later. What does this mean? Oh Well, I safely assume we're Melvin Gordon's out of town, so Javonte Williams uh, should ascend to be the lead back there. And, and that's good news for everyone who believes in him. Where does that leave us with Courtland Sutton and Jerry Judy, though?
1: Boy, I was looking at Courtland Sutton, too. He put up some awesome games at the beginning of the season, as far as from a fantasy perspective, and it has just been deadly squat since. Uh, Jerry Judy coming off the high ankle, still just not reaching what you would have hoped he would ascend to, taking that like Jamar Chase, Lamb leap in value as far as from a like a dynasty perspective. During the draft, you know, it's like, man, they're, they're going to get Rodgers. You know, if you're doing early best ball drafts, you should stack Rodgers with Broncos wide receivers. And then obviously that didn't happen. It's like, oh, they could take Justin Fields. Nope, that didn't happen. So we go into this offseason with a similar approach probably to the Broncos, is that do they get one of these free agent quarterbacks? Do they trade for a quarterback? Do they draft a rookie quarterback? I don't think their starting quarterback is on the roster, so it makes them each of the wide receivers in that group have a bit of a question mark.
0: It, it is a difficult time, difficult time to judge. I tend to agree that their starting quarterback, or at least the the quarterback who will start the majority of games for them, is not on that roster. I could see a situation where Wilson and Carroll, that relationship just reaches its absolute nadir. They part ways. Wilson goes to Denver, and Carroll, who likes a a safe set of hands under centre gets Teddy Bridgewater to be his Teddy Bridgewater to be his guy there. Mm. I don't really see anyone else going after Teddy. I don't know where would be a good fit for Drew Locke. And I don't know who else Denver would pursue or who would be available. I don't think they'd be in on Derek Carr if he somehow came up. I think if they were gonna go for Jordan Love, they may as well stay with Drew Locke. And as I say, I, I think Jimmy G is is heading east.
1: Throw a couple of names out there. Mitch Trubisky, free agent. Marcus Mariota, free agent. Yeah. I think if either one of them happened to land a starting gig, they could be someone who jumps from borderline irrelevancy to suddenly having a ton of value, especially in like a super flex league.
0: I want to quote a 90s Australian cricketer. I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it might have been Greg Blewett. That's a very niche reference that no one listening to will get there.
1: But he said that he
0: was never playing better cricket than when he was out of the Australian team. And that was essentially that the public never had a higher opinion of him than when he wasn't in front of them at all time. He was the, oh, we could always just bring Blewett in and he would play. That's kind of how I feel about Trubisky and Mariota is we look at them and go, well, Mitch Trubisky's out there. He's got all the tools. Marcus Mariota, look what he is. He's athletic and he's played in the league and we've seen what he's done. We've also seen what these players have done. Mm-hmm. And you might look at him and go, oh, we can bring... It. It's like the Panthers with um, Sam Darnold.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He is what he thought he... We, we thought he is at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of those players would be enough of an upgrade on the the one-two combination they have there now to entice Denver to do something, and likely the Manning family to do something.
1: Yeah, I think they could have ended up with a quarterback, but they wanted to get a stud last year, and they didn't end up getting one, which makes me think that that would be the pursuit this year, that if Broncos get someone, either it's a bridge to the next stud or they get the stud
0: they, they've got the bridge and they've got the water mm-hmm. um but they don't have the position locked up that's the sort of joke you would normally make
1: yep, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, the bridge over troubled water is not bridge water
0: <laughs> i'm looking at a pff mock draft here from oh, from the other day and they have the broncos picking at nine which is whether uh, going for Devin Lloyd from Utah. He's a linebacker. I don't have any strong opinions of him. They have Sam Howell from North Carolina as the first QB off the board to the Carolina Panthers. I don't think Sam Howell's a particularly good player. I think he was a product of the team around him last year when he had Williams, he had Carter, he had uh, the world's worst wide receiver, Diami Brown, and even then he was like missing open throws. I think Sam Howell is all smoke and mirrors. But the next, this is a particularly weak quarterback draft. The next quarterback taken in this draft is Kenny Pickett to the Vikings at pick 12. I don't think they make that pick. I think that is a bad mock pick. And then the other one is a guy we've already sort of talked about briefly, Matt Corral, mm-hmm. who is to my mind, the most interesting quarterback in the earl. the likelihood they would take them. Are any of these guys fits for the Broncos? Cause I'm not certain.
1: I'm not for sure either, and you named three of what I think are the five quarterbacks of relevance from this class. The other two would be Malik Willis and Carson Strong. Um, If any of them end up as a Bronco, honestly, wherever they go, I'm not super excited about any of them. If I was excited about any one of them, it would probably be Matt Corral, but even then it's going to depend where they go. Uh, I know some people would love to see uh, Malik Willis in ATL, but they're definitely rolling with Matt Ryan again next year. So I think, you know, whatever QB goes there is going to be like a Trey Lance where maybe you see him at the end of the season, if at all, next year. But yeah, you you nailed it on the head there. There's no QBs in this class that I like as much as they're all Mac Jones or, or lower as far as how I see them.
0: The Falcons would benefit from a project guy. No one here is really a day one starter, so I think any of them could sit. So at this point, you're taking the the guy with the highest upside. They're gonna ha- if they take a quarterback, they're gonna have to trade back from eight because you're not going to take a project guy at eight. I don't think they could do with getting a bit more capital anyway. These these are discussions we can have down the line. What is the best case scenario, I guess, for Sutton and for Judy? Well, three questions, just three. So what what's the best case scenario for Sutton and Judy? Are we prepared to call Judy a, a bust, or you know do we we give him a pass and are you buying or selling either of these players?
1: Judy isn't even twenty three yet, so Judy is going to be younger than some people that go in this NFL draft, so I think there's still time for Judy to reach a level of relevance, but you're a little worried you'd think that a Wide receiver taken in the first half of the first round of an NFL draft would have already flashed something by now. Granted, when it's high ankle, there's you know lingering effects afterwards that make you potentially not as effective of a player. But Judy's kind of in that question mark zone. But not someone who I want to, like, get out of, but also not someone I'm trying to, like, stack up all the shares of because I'm just so confident he's going to break out. I like him a lot, but even with that, there's still a lot of underlying risk. Uh, With Sutton, they extended him, and they also extended Tim Patrick. Yeah. And at times, Tim Patrick has looked like the best wide receiver they have there. Great. But – Uh, I think any quarterback who's looking for somewhere to go, I think the Broncos is a tantalizing spot to land because you have three good wide receivers and a good tight end. And, you know, you get to play under Elway. So, you know, try to carry on some of that legacy.
0: They've got um, two good tight ends there. Uh, Fount and uh, Akui Burnham both played some very good football this year. I think they would have both liked to play more consistent football. I could see Judy moving. At the end of this season, I could see him being an attractive trade piece for a team um, if the Broncos felt they needed to get higher up the draft order or something like that for, for any reason. I'm not prepared to call him a bust either, but it, the issues are concerning. That being how he's bounced back from injury, which you sort of give him a bit of a pass. I'm sure we will hear in the offseason, I was hampered by it all this, all this year. I'm back and bigger than ever, but the concentration drops, the amount of passes he drops are issues. He's still an excellent route runner. And as far as I'm concerned, he has the tools to be an excellent NFL wide receiver. Maybe he's just not in that environment to flourish.
1: Yep. I'm not ready to judge Judy. (laughs) Good. Let's
0: talk about some of the prospects coming in here. And it is sort of very early on. Mm -hmm. You are the most hardcore of college fans that I know. Who should we be looking at from your beloved Hawkeyes coming into this class?
1: Tyler Lindenbaum uh, still might come back, but if he doesn't, he's going to be one of the best centers in the draft. Now, centers are often not players that are selected highly in the first round of the NFL draft, but there still is a good chance that he goes in the first round of the NFL draft. Anyone needing interior offensive line help, he's going to be someone to help. But this is a fantasy football podcast, and the only relevant fantasy football player coming out of the Hawkeyes is is Tyler Goodson. We talked at the preseason a little bit about Makai Sargent on the Titans. Like, oh, maybe, 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 maybe. And my response was basically to temper expectations because he was playing second fiddle to Tyler Goodson, who skipped the bowl game because he was declaring for the pros. Even then, Tyler Goodson is probably someone who I currently have ranked as like an early fourth round rookie pick so uh, not a whole lot that i can tout from the hawkeyes we don't have a tight end going pro this year so not a whole lot to hang my hat on
0: it is absolutely tight end you there isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah your boy lindebaum here um is nineteenth on this PFF mock draft, going to the Eagles uh, to replace Jason Kelsey he's the two time highest graded center in the FBS. Um, they're good numbers, and we've seen the impact a good a good center can have. This I'm not telling anyone they don't know here, but uh, Creed Humphrey and what he's done for the Kansas City line. Yes, they rebuilt that line. He's got a lot of faces around him, but he's been excellent. Um, and I'm having a piece that you can just plug into that line and not have to worry about for ten years is um, is a luxury for NFL teams.
1: Yep, Iowa is not one that often produces fantasy football relevant players, but if fantasy football included offensive linemen and defensive players, then they do churn out players left and right for that, turn three stars into NFL prospects. Well,
0: you never know. Lindebaum could go somewhere and uh, improve that offensive line, and all of a sudden it's good news for that running back. It's He's probably a name to keep an eye on.
1: There you go. Uh,
0: keep an eye on there. Now, I should know this about you, because we we talk about football semi-regularly. Are you a big tape guy?
1: I draw the most from looking at college production, and then when it's broken down into numbers as far as your strength of competition, your strength of teammate play, how you test at the combine weighs heavily, and then the draft capital on top of it, and then lastly, landing spot. So... It's more from the analytics side that I put a lot of my weight in. I trust a lot of the other more keen eyes who watch tape to give me more of the contextual clues, but I definitely lean analytics.
0: It's important. Well, from my point of view, it's important to have a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And my starting point is always the analytics to see who I should be watching, who Mm -hmm. are the outliers um that are going to draw me to watch them um that's how i started off my uh, scouting last year with elijah moore and i got to the end of the process and i didn't really like anyone more than him um, other than jamar chase uh, which is i thought he was a, a tie for with rashad bateman as my my wide receiver too in the class and that was just because he had the best numbers in the country um in at Ole Miss. Uh, so, I had a list, and I say had with great sadness, I had a list of interesting people I wanted to see more of. I don't get to watch a lot of college football during the season because I dedicate my Sundays to the NFL, and that means that Saturday night is not a football night in my house. Mm-hmm. But there are times where uh, I do have the TV to myself or um, there's a movie on them that I'm not that interested in, and I'll have a couple of college games up on my computer, and um, I keep a note of players who caught my eye. And that list has gone missing at some point between <laughs> me last doing that and um and now uh it actually this me in love on the pot it might actually be in this notebook
1: well while you're you're looking looking there jalen waddle was someone who i wasn't as high on as i probably should have been in hindsight looking at the rookie season he was kind of a black box prospect for me. I didn't have a solid combine and really any of the rookies this year with everything being pro days and how pro days are typically a little bit better numbers than what the combine numbers are. It became really difficult to compare performances during pro days to historical combine numbers so with him not knowing a lot of the combine things it was someone where it's like if it was a tie i was leaning another way just because i didn't know but now looking back in hindsight better than i would have guessed he would have been uh coming into the season at least
0: i felt that he was going to be a workout warrior like a uh like we'd seen with a henry ruggs and ruggs played good for- football up until he was no longer playing football this season uh which is a very sad ending for him very sad ending for the person he killed as well um but i wasn't as high on waddle as maybe i should have been as well i saw a, a guy who i thought would get found out in the nfl basically um, was was a bit too one-dimensional. And if he'd gone to a different team in a different circumstance, that may well have been the case. I think he benefited from being in a team that was going to get the ball in his hands, close to the line of screenage and get him to do something. If he'd had gone to a team, uh, let's say he'd gone to the Rams with uh, they'd Woods and cuff already, he might've just been the field stretcher and we wouldn't have seen that season from him.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, you can look at all the analytics and all the tape, but at the end of the day, landing spot plays a huge percentage regardless of what kind of a caliber player you are so yeah when your competition is Devonte parker which is an umpteenth year breakout player <laughs> and fuller who despite any amount of peds couldn't keep his finger healthy <laughs> yeah opportunity was definitely there for jalen waddle this season
0: for sure and we we've seen that opportunity is um opportunity is king that's why the smarter analysts look at opportunity rather than production and by that i mean me i'm going to leave you with a couple of names here for the off-season process um one of them i have been super duper high on despite me never remembering what his name is and i have had to look it up here to make sure i get it right on the podcast. that is drake london from usc Mm -hmm. he leapt off the screen last year when i was watching amon ra saint brown tape and i was in love with amon ra saint brown And I couldn't take my eyes off Drake London. I was a big fan of Keaton Slovis, for what it's worth. But London is a freak. He's six foot five. I'm always cautious when you look at these. You see these guys come out of college, like Nikhil Harry, and people go, he's a contested beast. Mm Mm-hmm you got to look at why he's contested. Why is he in those situations? Mm-hmm. Is he in those situations because he's not open? Is he in those situations because of bad quarterback play? Or you look at, is it the situation, the circumstances of the game? This is why I like tape as opposed to analytics, because you get context to what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and by using that same measuring stick, you might be worried about Jamar Chase, who was a contested catch freak. Is it because he can't get open? You know, so is Drake London Chase or is he Harry? For me, he's
0: Chase. Mm-hmm. He is the second coming of Julio Jones in my one of my favourite plays. He hasn't got the crispness of Jones, but this is, and I, I don't want to get sucked in because he's basically Equanimius St. Brown, mm-hmm. um, probably better draft capital. Yeah, um, and, and maybe Equanimius, sneaky knucklehead as well. I'm a big fan of Drake London. You watch him play, and he just pops off the screen. As I say, he was. I made note of him while watching other players. He's uh, they've compared him to Randy Moss here, and that is that is high praise indeed. I can't wait to watch more of him, and I'm going to be so sad if he turns out to be another Nikhil Harry, Seth Williams, big slow receiver. I I don't. He's faster than that, but um, I, I'm looking forward to diving into him uh i'm looking forward to seeing more of Jahan dotson from penn state who had an excellent season 91 catches 1182 yards 12 touchdowns slot guy but he is like a modern wide receiver put him between the hash marks and get the ball in his hands i see a little bit of um a little bit of debo samuel he's not quite as good ball in hand as debo but Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, think that sort of receiver. Looking forward to seeing him. And my absolute favorite receiver, my who the hell is this guy moment of the season is actually a guy who isn't coming out till next year. That is Jordan Addison from Pitt. That hmm. kid is special. I can't remember what it was that made me jump off, the, made <laughs> him jump off the screen so much, but I couldn't take my eyes out. He is the Jamar Chase long underneath play that goes to the house beautiful one grab hands like he is going to be the wide receiver one next year the quarterback probably will slip he won't have Kenny Pickett but he is he's an excellent player so I'm looking forward to seeing more of him and I don't normally delve into the running back space I'm just not a good judge of what makes a a running back productive or not but Kenneth Walker is another Mm -hmm. name that jumped onto my who the hell is that guy list this year Uh, I was super impressed with him and he is someone I will be targeting in the back end of my first rounds of, of drafts, I think.
1: So, in response to the guys listed there, Drake London, I'd love to see the Eagles take another wide receiver in the first round and end up with Drake London. I think <laughs> that would be a, a fantastic compliment, and they can just forget J.J. White whiteside and pretend like that pick never happened there, but uh, that would be awesome to see Eagles take them him with one of their first-round picks there. He did break his ankle at the beginning of November. Yeah. So we haven't had the second half of the season to see what Drake London can do, but I still think there's a good chance he gets that first-round draft capital, and when you get that with the wide receiver, that's often a pretty solid bet, as long as the Raiders aren't the one picking you. <laughs> you said Jahan Dotson, and hes I've been doing mocks with Roto Underworld, and he's been anywhere from a late first to a mid-early second and he's, I think that's appropriately valued. Someone uh, who uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he tests out at there, but uh, definitely another interesting player. I don't know anything about Addison. I don't have a whole lot to tell you there. But if you watch the national championship game, you saw the sibling of Dalvin Cook and James Cook looking like Dalvin Cook at the collegiate level uh he's someone who could be next year's elijah mitchell the guy who goes at the ends of seconds or in third rounds who given the uh, a good landing spot could be an interesting player for sure
0: and uh worth noting as well that um James Cook. Australia's equivalent of Christopher Columbus in that came to the country, didn't really know what was what, displaced the uh the native peoples, and is just sort of regarded as, as a bit of an asshole these days. <laughs> um but <that laughs> When I was at school we learned that he discovered Australia, he most certainly did not. <laughs> um and, and in fact, uh shout out to Dirk Hartog, who I believe was uh the first European adventurer to make his way to Australia, just a casual thirty-eight thousand years after the uh the Aboriginal people who made it, but we're probably getting off course here.
1: <laughs> what? One more thing there, because you did mention Kenneth Walker in every mock. He's top three RB taken, so he could be this year's Javante Williams, where you know quarterbacks are reached on in super flex drafts. Everyone loves Traylon Burks as the basically the number one wide receiver, or at least a good portion of the people do. Uh, I think you know he could potentially be. Uh, the Metcalf of this class. Kenneth Walker could end up being a value. The RB that you take mid, late first, who maybe in a different class would go higher. Uh, I'm hoping he can be more the Javante Williams of this class and, you know, less the Sermon of this class.
0: Yeah, he's got um, good pass catching ability, which obviously makes him a, a good candidate for a day one start as well, even if there's um, someone ahead of him couple of other names, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, he's another he's another Debo, AJ Brown type. I love my Yak guys, as far as I'm concerned. I think their production translates really well to the NFL, and you can see how their production is going to translate based on how they actually get those ra- uh, Yak yards, whether that is of their own design or whether that is bad defense. Um, I think that's a, a really good way of projecting that, so I'm a big fan of him. And another one I'm going to leave you with as we we leave this rookie talk behind is we have seen the value of Chase uh, being with Joe Burrow. We've seen the value of I had another example of this and it escapes my mind of a college a college quarterback getting his run and buddy from college. Um, if you could help me out, Waddle with that Waddle with Tua. That's exactly the one I was thinking of. Would the Jags be foolish not to leave the draft with Justin Ross?
1: He's someone who could have gone pro last year if it wasn't for injury. Uh, He's someone who's going to be a discount due to injury. I'm interested to see if he actually gets the appropriate draft draft capital or if he's someone who kind of falls in the draft. I think it's uh, draft capital and landing spot would definitely play a good part there. And if he's linked up with T-Law... I guess it depends on who's the coach next year. Preview for next week, but there might not have been a bigger first year, at least first year. Doesn't mean it's career, but first year best than T Law. For been sure. The 1.01 in every Superflex draft, and definitely not deserved of so in hindsight.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I think Ross. Is more the Nikhil Harry uh, territory of guys who take contested catches because or make contested catches because they can't get open, as opposed to um, the chase, they're in a contested situation and they make the other guy look stupid. So, I'm looking forward to delving into that. I'm sure as you continue to listen to us over the off season, I'm going to have nuggets of information for you all about some of these names and and plenty of other names as well. But I'm really looking forward to getting into that now. Before we wrap the show up, have you got a prognostication for us for the wildcard playoff round?
1: Hmm. Uh, I'll go second if
0: you want. Let me
1: look at it again.
0: For sure. Well, I am going to say that the Patriots win and the Bills don't score a touchdown.
1: Uh, I'm going to say that the Steelers give, a, give the Chiefs a run for their money and Big Ben goes out in a blaze of glory throwing five touchdowns in a losing effort
0: wow that is bold but i like it i like it well with those two absolute certainties in your back <laughs> pocket enjoy wild card weekend we'll be back next week with an awards show we promise to be a lot of fun nick i think you're joining us for that yep natter will be back from the cigarette store <laughs> and that'll be it so until next time nick tell the good people where they can find you
1: I'm at Iowa in the NFL on Twitter, at Iowa in the NFL on Sleeper, and if you want to see things that I produce or pods that I record, follow Sleeper Wire Show, it's where the talent's at.
0: And as always, I am at Sheehan Solo, that's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O, and if you haven't listened to Screen Pass yet, it's my other podcast with the glamorous Justin Barber about football in popular culture get listening to that. Links are on my profile. Links are on Nick's profile. He's the producer over there as well. So if you like what he does here, he's even better over there. And other than that, good luck.